It's Saturday, March 22nd, 2014. It's 9 p.m. here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jack Miller. And I'm Shannon Emerson. This is White Tiger Radio. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. So believe it or not... I don't. There's something that could possibly have surpassed the bane of my existence, my, my previous bane. There's a new one. You have a new bane. I have a new bane. Uh, prior to recently. Which is... Which is uh, <laughs> it's a thing. You could, it's a thing prior to recently. Other people might say before. Before. Prior to recently. The, uh, no problem. The rampant use of no problem and no worries. It was very troubling for me. It still is troubling. It'll never not be troubling. It's just not your number one bane anymore. It's not right now. My number one bane is people being overly apologetic. Oh, yeah. I was at a coffee shop the other day because I live in Portland, and that's, that's what we do here. We love our coffee. And I was waiting in line for the bathroom, and the woman came out of the bathroom and apologized to me. No way. She apologized. And I thought, oh, no. What's happened? <laughs> that is, I would make me worried. <laughs> What's going on? What am I going to find when I come in here? Oh, no. That's end. And I found nothing. She was just apologizing for using the restroom and making me wait, I guess. I don't know. Wow. That's, you I don't know, know. That's, that's new Bane worthy, I, I would say. It is, right? For sure. It's just, I don't know what kind of uh, insecurity it takes to be overly apologetic, but I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that new Bane. Shannon Emerson's new Bane here. You heard it first on White Tiger Radio. Stay tuned for more new Banes <laughs> at, and future shows. Uh, so, Jack. Yes? We know that you know a lot about history. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and just say, uh, what, do you, what has happened today in history? Let's say Saturday, March 22nd. Okay, March 22nd. Yeah, think. All think. right. Um, okay. 1765, uh, the British passed the Stamp Act, which, as I, I'm sure you know, was uh, something that... Boring? The, no. F- super important. The colonists, they just, they flipped out. Started the American Revolution. Was, started, this the, was this the thing that made people start collecting stamps? No. This was the thing that made people mad at stamps. <laughs> So, okay, let's see, um, March 22nd, 1933, this is a better one, you're going to like this, Franklin Roosevelt, President Roosevelt signed into law the Beer and Wine Revenue Act, which effectively ended prohibition. The 21st Amendment had not yet been passed, sort of officially repealing prohibition, but when Congress passed the Beer and Wine Revenue Act, and the President signed it into law today, March 22nd, I have, you know, this is my memory of it anyway, um, <laughs> that ended prohibition. So... Back to the drinking for America. Uh, uh, that would be unofficially, but officially. Eighty-one years ago. So it effectively was, it was a, it was a, it was see. you know it wasn't until the twenty-first amendment was passed in December of nineteen thirty-three that prohibition was definitely over. But when the federal government said, "Hey, you know, we're going to start taxing beer and wine sales, and you can start uh-huh. drinking this stuff," it was pretty much over. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's eighty-one years ago. America started back on the booze. Light, you know, bless their hearts. Yeah, you know? I mean, beer and wine, not not the beer, wine, and liquor revenue act, because it was for whatever reason liquor ha- has a separate category. I guess. Oh. Yeah. Um, 1972. In less sort of good news, though good but not so good, Congress passed the Equal Rights Amendment on this day in 1972. Unfortunately, the Equal Rights Amendment went on to not 
get to be an actual amendment because not enough states ratified it. That's uh, So we don't have equal rights for men and women in this country. We have whatever else that ha- you have when you don't have the Equal Rights Amendment. So I don't know. To we have people over-apologizing, yeah. maybe. Oh, I don't know. Well, that's, that's the kind of country that we've inherited because the ERA failed. So let's just keep that in mind. All right. Well, now that we've gone through that, I can't think of anything else that happened on March 22nd. Uh, oh, 24, that's a lot. 2014, White Tiger Radio number seven, um, and that would be tonight's show, which is Frankenstein's Foot Locker. And historical event in the making. Absolutely. And historical Did event. Did you hear I said that? You're not I, supposed to do that anymore. You were for a while, but not anymore. I, I'm sticking with it until death. Oh, no. They'll pry that out of my dead cold mouth. Tonight, yes. Frankenstein's Foot Locker. Um, and some of you may be thinking, uh, what does that mean? Well... Frankenstein's Foot Locker, one, one fine day in the early aughts, Jack and I were walking around in Seattle, Washington, and we came across a vintage thrift store. I think they just still called them thrift stores then, not vintage stores, but um, maybe they did. And they were having a contest to pick a name for their store. And you would win what? Like, I don't even remember. Nothing. It was like, it you would was win no- nothing. Are you sure it wasn't like a $10 gift certificate? No, it was just, just nothing. bragging just rights. Right. That's worth more than ten dollars and of course we were we were immediately like we want to win this contest we want this shop to be named after what we think it should be named after well and and you jack came up with the uh came up with the name it should be called frankenstein's footlocker which was a genius idea even though didn't win it didn't win i don't know why and people uh, have no taste it should have probably i'm sure that today if i went up to them and said you should call this place frankenstein's footlocker they would have probably just said i'm sorry Oh, that place is a Chipotle right now. You oh, know that. Absolutely. It's right. not anything. Yeah, people are coming out of the bathroom apologizing every day. <laughs> <in that laughs> yeah, place. exactly. And they should be. Uh, yeah, so so we decided we've been clinging to this name. I love and, the name. And, and then we came up with this show, which is a show that is uh, packed with all the audio we've collected over the years, audio from variety shows that we've produced, from uh, random... 3 a.m. recordings. Stuff we snagged in various places. People have given us stuff. People have sent us stuff for sure, and we just kind of tuck it away. Went through the archives and kind of put it all together to see uh, see what we had, and, and that's what we're going to present tonight. Frankenstein's Foot Locker. So a new car walks into a bar. He says to the bartender, how much for a beer? The bartender says, for you, no charge. <laughs> So much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop, the old double D, but I somehow, someway, keep coming up with bulky ass shit nearly every single day, can I kiss a little something, oh I got a pocket full of rubber 
my home dog a drink. He can buy with a gang of tanks a drink. And a fat ass gay.
So here's a little known fact. Let's hear it. Nine out of 10 divorces happen because the couple tried to move a couch up or down a flight of stairs. Nine out of 10? And the other one? The, one, the other one out the of 10? The 10 out of 10? The 10 out of 10? <laughs> well, the one out of 10 is because they, uh, they also tried to move it around a corner. Well, there it is. Because that never goes well. No. I would have think that would be like six or seven out of 10. Oh, no. It's way higher than you would think. It's pretty much everything. Every, every divorce happens because people try to move a couch up or downstairs or around a corner. Here's the problem. Men have been told all their lives that they have this amazing spatial ability. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. And so they think that they know how to navigate a couch up and down stairs and around a corner. And Sounds women reasonable ju- to me. Right. And women just generally think they're right all the time. And so... I've experienced that also. Right. And then here's the thing. I am right about how to move a couch. Generally, when we're moving a couch together, I usually have the solution, right? Wait, Don't you agree? We're still married, <laughs> and that's because we've never tried to move a couch before. Oh, we have. We oh, have. No. We just pushed on through. But... Uh, I don't remember it. Oh, that must be it. Right. I don't remember ever moving a couch with you, and that's why we're still married, I It suppose. doesn't go well. You know, there's like, you should put, no, this side needs to go down. No, if we just turn it that way. And then in, in the middle of all of this discussion, you're holding a really fucking heavy couch, and you're trying to get through it all. And I don't know how you could possibly be better at moving a couch than me. I know how I, to move I a know. couch. I, I, I am shocked as well, it's, but it's true. Is it, is it scientifically proven, you think? You can pack a moving truck like crazy but I know how to get a couch around a house. All right. Well, I guess we're staying married then because that sounds fine to me. It's not easy though. No. What? Moving a couch, staying married? Well, all, well anything. Nothing's easy. Yes. Is that, uh, is that all you have to say? Isn't that enough? That's think, a lot. I think that's probably enough. expression 
is don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? And I was like, no, that makes, that makes slightly more sense than what I just said, though. Just what I had just said to my friend, and what I swear to God, I have said so many times in my life was this little gem of an expression, which is, you know, you should never, you know, like, lick a gift horse in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? use that expression so much because for me that expression's always made perfect sense yeah? don't let your gift holes in the mouth is literally the perfect expression for when you want to say hey don't do weird shit weird out what the fuck's wrong with you you know like let me give you the context for this situation a friend of mine told me Hey man, I'm not thinking about jumping my bike over this flaming trash can. What do you think? And I was like, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like this expression, I was like, I always thought I knew where it came from. Which was like, you know that time in human history when people discovered if you lick certain frogs, you would hallucinate for hours? And there was this big gold rush to lick every animal you could find. Expression about it because you lick a frog, what's the worst thing that's possibly gonna happen? Right? If you lick a horse in the mouth, you're gonna get kicked in the chest and die. I swear to God, that's what I always thought happened to Christopher Reeves. That's what I thought it was. Superman sucks, second weakness. <laughs> you told me that you heard me singing in my sleep, but you didn't hear the words. But you heard the song. Was I singing the song of my life? Were they my words or the words of another? Were they my words or the words of a? I give you my voice. Crap.
and the tune in the light of the day, or is it only there in the light of the moon? I've had just about all I can handle, man. Come in here with your entourage and your graduate degrees and your strange speech patterns and your free movie coupons. You offer me KFC and absent as a test, knowing full well I am allergic. <laughs> you always know what I'm gonna say before I say it, so you just go ahead and respond. <laughs> sure, at first it was a cool trick, but I'm getting really sick of it now, man. It's like having some freaking Vegas lounge act psychic follow you around all day, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> you never sleep anymore, so no one wants to party with you. Besides, you're always levitating around the room, making everyone nervous, telling them how they're gonna die. <laughs> Opening beer bottles with your mind is not the way to put people at ease. <laughs> and you know that, man. You know all this. But still, you just go ahead. You pretend like nothing's happened, but everyone can tell, man. Everyone can see what's going on. You're adorned in... What is that, spun gold? <laughs> it's not a robe, it's a raiment. <laughs> you only hang out with us to try and get us out of cyclic existence, and you know it. <laughs> to show us that this world is purely illusory, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's never like, just, you know, to hang out anymore. To just fucking kick back and catch the flyers, you know? You never ask anyone to hang out with you on your giant lotus. <laughs> and another thing, man, this whole aura trip is a major freak show, all right? <laughs> Fucking glow, dude. Glow, all right? That's why we ditched you at the bar the other night, man. You scared all the chicks away. <laughs> and plus, it's like your new friends, these acolytes or whatever, they're just way too relaxed. So I turn on SportsCenter all the way up so I can hear over there chanting, right? They don't even notice. They just keep on reciting that one chant with your new name. Dude, I wonder if you even really know what they want from you. Come on, man, I know that things are different, but can't you just, you know, come to a barbecue without bringing all the meat back to life and setting it free? stay up all night playing Quake and then watch the World's Strongest Man competition. <laughs> now you're more likely to have some 14-foot blue deity over to talk about, you know, so-and-so is in the hell realms and we should really try and get him out because he used to be some righteous priest guy, you know, way back before he wasted that village in the time of Christ or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay, 450 BC, whatever it was, I don't care! I don't care, man! I don't have any awareness of the 12 links of dependent arising. I don't plan on becoming a bodhisattva, all right? And I haven't attained enlightenment by realizing the true nature of the emptiness of the universe. There! I said it! Are you happy now? What am I saying? Live in a state of ceaseless bliss. Of course you're happy. Not everyone is going to realize the Buddha nature, dude. I told you this. And I mean, I'm happy for you and everything, but I think you're being a little smug about it, frankly. 
here's me and Larry and Mike, and we all have to die and deal with all the karma we built up watching hockey and Baywatch and drinking our parents' booze. <laughs> when we get reborn, you know, we're going to be lucky to be human. You know, I'll probably be a tank or something, and Mike's going to come back as some kind of nasty fungus, I know. <laughs> but you, you're off the wheel, man. You don't have to come back anymore. You get to hang out, being compassionate, chilling with all, you know, your compassionate brethren deities, and just wishing that everyone else was enlightened too. It makes it really difficult to light up a bowl when you're around, <laughs> And yes, I realize that this is short-term thinking, but you know what? I'm a short-term guy, and you're not anymore. You used to be, but, but you're not. So, I didn't want it to come to this, but I'm going to have to ask you to move out. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's working out anymore. <laughs> You've got disciples to discipline, and I've got all my stuff. <laughs> and I just think that with you realizing the true nature of everything, I can't really maintain my boundaries anymore. <laughs> and it's, it's my name on the lease, so that's just <laughs> Look, I know this probably comes as a surprise. Okay, or not. <laughs> but it's probably for the best. And, you know, it's, it's not like we'll never see each other again, right? I, I know I've got a lot of lifetimes ahead of me, and maybe you'll be around, right? And, hey, listen, man. Next time I'm human and I'm not such a jackass, maybe you can show me how to sit with your legs <laughs> so, you know, Shannon, I heard on the radio today that there's a new band called Eagles. Not the Eagles, just Eagles. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ballsy, don't you think? Eagles. What kind of radio are you listening to? I was listening to, I, I, I don't know if I can say it on our show can i no no i'm listening but i'm listening to the radio and the dude says that was eagles from their new album eagles so they not only named themselves eagles but they self-titled their album eagles uh maybe they're so young they don't know about the eagles I, I, that's, that's kind of what i thought so i go to look it up on the google of course and all i get is stuff of the eagles i even try like all the little tricks like you know, Eagles band minus the, so that I can try kind of get to it. But that's a thing you can do that on the Google. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't do the minus and plus stuff. I never did. I never did before, but I, you know, basically it just gave me all <laughs> you these. You got desperate. I got desperate. I'm like, well, how can I find about how about Eagles, not the Eagles? Uh, but I, you know, I think more power to them. But I did find out. I, this is I hate to say I did actually go to the playlist then on the website of the radio station, and it's Eagles. E-A-G-U-L-L-S, like gulls, but E-gulls. So mm. they didn't just totally, it kind of it made see. me less mad, but still. It made you mad, though? Well, not mad. I don't know. You know I, it's not that I have an anger problem that anybody should know about, uh, but 
I just thought, really? You're that, that ballsy to call yourself Eagles? But it's, it's, it's spelled differently, so it's a totally different band. Yeah, you just weren't hip enough to know it was spelled differently, so you spent a bunch of time on Google looking for them, and just you were way off doing like plus and minus the stuff. Like <laughs> no one even does that anymore. That's not even necessary. Right. You just be like Siri. Exactly. I didn't feel this old. happened, and then right. bang, si- right. boom. Siri, I heard this band called Eagles. It's not the Eagles. Can you just find out about it for me? And she was like, I'm sorry. If you don't know, then I can't tell you, Jack. No, she'd be like, oh, honey. It's not anything like the Eagles that you know about. It's the, the new Eagles. Yeah. How old are you? Put your thumbprint on here. And we'll, oh, no, I'm sorry. I can't even tell you about these guys. So do you remember when people used to sit around coming up with band names? Like as a pastime, it's kind of a just sit around thing. I do. Do people still do that? They might. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if young people do that or if there are just better distractions now. Like why would you sit around and come up with band names when you can... You know what would be a great band name? What? Frankenstein's Foot Locker. Frankenstein's Foot Locker is a killer band name. That's definitely. What, what else would be a good band name? Oh, I don't know. See, I like Sex Pistols. But somebody came up with that one already. I mean, how, how did anybody you ever. You can't say ones that are already exist. But I'm saying, how, how not, could. That, that's that, not how the game works. It plagues me, though. I, you know, now I'm just like, how could you possibly name a band after somebody called themselves Sex Pistols? I think at that point, you just call yourself the Jack Miller Band or the Shannon Emerson Band. You don't. You don't try to come up with some kind of clever name. But that's just me. Maybe that's just me. What would you call it? What would the you Jack name Jack Miller Band. You know there's already an <laughs> ex Miller Band, right? Oh, oh, those guys, right. Right. What would you name a band if you could name a band? Uh, well. Besides Frankenstein's Foot Locker, which I named. There was one time I was in a band called the Chandeliers. I remember that, and you named that band. You were in the band, too. And right. it was, um, I think, Nine Days. It was a band. Aaron Gately. Before we just... On guitar. Bailed on Aaron Gately because we don't have any follow through. But we did stick with it, I think, I would say probably seven days longer than we wanted to just because the name was we, so Just because the name. The, name. Exactly. the Chandeliers. The Chandeliers. We, want, we wanted to be the Chandeliers I mean, so bad. The Chandeliers is a good name. It's better than the Eagles. Eagles, even with a U-L-L-S. So folks, if you have a good band name, if you're sitting around thinking that'd be a good name for a band, uh, as long as it's not Sex Pistols or Eagles or something else that's already been taken, like Chandeliers. Uh, don't call in with Frankenstein's Foot Locker either. Even though it hasn't been taken, that's now we're we're taking. Because we'll know you heard it here. We'll know you heard it here, definitely. It's so over. The send us. Up. You can even text message us a band name to uh, White Tiger. I believe it's one eight hundred White Tiger Radio. Is that what it is? Do we have the number yet? Uh, it should be becoming available really soon. One eight hundred White Tiger Radio. Yeah, probably. I mean, just try it, and if we don't get it, someone else will get it. And tell whoever answers what your band name is. Exactly. And we'll get it on the air when they get it to us. Hello, you home? Hello, anybody home? Anybody? Hello. Where's everybody? Empty studio. No one here. Crappy music playing. Tula. Let me turn this down. Hey, turning this down. And uh, where are the keys? All right. Hello. What are you doing here? Jeez, oh, Phillips, you scared the pants off of You're me. You're not even wearing pants. Well, no, I'm not wearing pants. They're showing some skin there. Yes, I'm wearing my hospital Johnny. You know what? This is like a... It's like pajamas, but maybe made out of paper with uh, nothing in back. See? Yeah, I see that. 
and you're sitting on my chair. Well, it's okay, Philip. What are you doing here? What are you doing? I here? look. I come by for a specific reason. We are on our way to go get a donor. A donor? You need an organ transplant? No, or donor. It's uh, you know, like uh, it's a lamb and beef mix up with spices. It is on a big spool of meat. Okay. And then they cut off pieces and put in delicious pita or lavash. Are you telling me you, you left the hospital to get a gyro? Kind of like that, but it's from Turkey. It's kind of early for Turkey. Thanksgiving's next week. No, Phillips. You know, it's a turkey. It's not just for Thanksgiving. It's also a country. I know you are not very well traveled and also don't know I know about geography. Yeah. By, but look, by Chile. Um, I need your van. So please give me the keys. Can't you just get it delivered? No, I need your van because m me and I have two exchange students with me. I am taking these lovely exchange students. Actually, they're my nurses. They're learning nursing and from other country. I am showing them the sights of the town. We're going to get donors. How did you end up with two nurses taking you out of the hospital? Because what happened was these two nurses were talking about donor, donor, donor. They were on the donor ward, dealing with donor people. They get hungry, okay? Now the thing is, but after we have a donor, I'm trying to show them a good time, so I need your van. Well, I don't think my van's gonna come in handy, really, because, you know, there's it's only- Just give me Keith. If there's okay. three of you, there's only two seats in my van. It doesn't matter. We will not be using the seats. Well, then what do you want my van for? Oh, yeah, here you go. Okay, good. Okay, thanks, Phillips. Hey, I'll uh, see you later. And uh, your music tonight is a new low, even for you. Very surprising. Gotta go. That was kind of the point. I have a confession to make. I love drugs. I've always loved drugs. <laughs> all that enhanced experience and improved insight, all those mind-expanding recreational encounters. Like the look of a pine tree blowing in the wind when you're on mushrooms. And you can discern the separate independent movement of every branch and every needle, all going in completely different directions to a completely different beat. And you instantly understand that wind isn't just air moving around. It's a complex fluid, an organic being with an intricate expression of life and motion. Or that acid trip at the beach on a calm day when the waves slide in slowly and break gently against the sand, and you get this mounting feeling that the ocean is having a long, powerful orgasm. 
and you're right there feeling the pulse of it, right there at the edge of the ocean's giant orgasm, feeling it, experiencing it like it was your own cosmic climax. Now that is drugs. It all changed when I went to med school. Especially when I started my residency and they had me working these monster 20-hour shifts on three or four hours of sleep. The beauty and the transcendence of drugs dis disappeared and I was left with the functional core of elementary survival. It was more than just fighting the exhaustion, though drugs do wonders for that, no doubt about it. It was the horror. There was just no way I could work at a public hospital amid all the destruction and degradation and pain meted out by a merciless military industrial media society without doing lots and lots of drugs. Doing that without drugs is just asking for it. <laughs> About the only thing worse than doing without is running out. Anything can happen then. One night, about two months ago, I brushed up against that particular one. I'd been gulping speed like a trucker for going on two weeks when suddenly my drug supply just ran out. It fucking ran out. Leave it to a speed freak to forget to keep a lot of drugs on hand. <laughs> You'd think that there'd be no problem in a hospital with all those juicy pharmaceutical cabinets everywhere. Only problem was the administration was cracking down on pilferage and my usual connection was off for the night. My girlfriend, who's a nurse and usually stands in for my dealer at times like that, had been busted recently skimming drops from a bottle of liquid cocaine. <laughs> and she was warned that the next time would lead to criminal charges. So there I was, suddenly, and for no good reason, facing a very near future without any drugs in my system. I knew I couldn't take it. I wasn't exactly sure what would happen, but it was not going to be good. I started to panic. Even after all that med school, I had no idea what would become of my body, not to mention my mind, if I let my system return to its natural state. Natural. That was when I had the realization, only later would I call it an epiphany, that the hospital had a readily available and unguarded supply of crack baby cadavers. And maybe I could get high off one of the livers. The realization was so sudden and so perfect and complete as though God placed the idea directly in my brain. Yes. The livers of those tiny little pre-human <laughs> Thanks for the, for the prop. <laughs> Conceived in crack-ridden wombs and fed crack straight through the umbilicus. Those little guys must be incredibly rich in crack. And crack gets you high. I need to get high. Therefore, I need to eat a crack baby liver. <laughs> it made perfect sense at that moment, and it still does. <laughs> Not that this was some kind of informed medical opinion. There's not a whole lot of research into crack babies, so there was simply no way I could predict the results if I ate one of those livers. But I had this feeling. I'd been around drugs for a long time, and I could feel that a crack baby liver was the great undiscovered high. There was only one way to find out for sure, and it wasn't as hard to do as you might think. Even if I got caught down in the morgue, which was unlikely, who could possibly suspect that I was on a drug run? <laughs> I could hardly believe it myself, and I was the one scheming it up. <laughs> when I got down to the second sub-basement where the morgue is, I started to get seriously creeped out. <laughs> Even after years of training and exposure, I never had gotten used to those empty green hallways, the 
formaldehyde smell, the eerie silence of a place, with the occasional mysterious sound of water dripping, like the inside of a cave. Drip. Drip. Just as I got to the morgue door, I was frozen in my tracks by the sound. Drip. Drip. And then silence for a really long time. Just when I was about to move, there it was again. Drip. I did not need that sound. I almost turned around, but I was way beyond desperation at that point. I had to have that crack. <laughs> I was crashing hard, and however creepy the morgue was, and however insane the idea of eating a crack baby liver seemed, <laughs> the bigger fear was that looming drug crash. I was certain I would die if I didn't eat a crack baby liver immediately. <laughs> Some small part of my mind must have known the threshold I was about to cross, but the crocodile brain was running the show at that point. Fight or flight, snap up those crack baby livers and get on with the mean business of raw survival. So I shouldered through the door with my pre-rational determination. And once I was inside and had the scalpel poised over the tiny little corpse, I was steady as a rock. The point of no return was in the past. It was time to get on with it and find out as soon as possible what my life was going to be like from then on. I made a quick incision, reached in to pull out the liver, and had the little blob and a speck in the jar in no time. I thought briefly about nuking it for a few minutes to kill any microorganisms or viruses, but a deep, irresistible craving reared up inside of me and demanded instant action. Need one out over sanity, and I simply chopped the liver into three manageably sized pieces and dry swallowed them in quick succession like vitamins. I slid to the cool tile floor to wait while the last vestiges of my rational mind attempted to form a backup strategy in case <laughs> this didn't work. But it did work. In only a few minutes, I started to get a beautiful, soaring, free feeling. It was tingly, but not too overwhelming. Not a big, disturbing rush, like with some drugs. It was a smooth, but rapid climb up into the higher reaches of bliss. I leveled off into a feeling of ecstasy so ordinary and natural that it seemed unjust to associate it with drugs. No, this was not a high. This was the way people were supposed to feel all the time. <laughs> this was nature. This was truth and happiness. This was life. Everyone else in the universe was bummed out on some cruel downer that counteracted this amazing sensation. The crack baby liver didn't so much as get you high as clear that evil crud out of your system and bring you to a plateau of complete satisfaction from which you could laugh mockingly at the unnatural odor of human misery. <laughs> <laughs> Sold on this line, I took the next logical step. I rose and sliced open a few more cadavers, yanked out the livers, and headed upstairs for the break room. I was supposed to meet my girlfriend to ride home together after our shifts, and I actually had to turn her on to this. I was still high as a kite when she showed up about an hour later, but I could already tell it was I was coming down. What the hell are you on, she said as soon as she saw me. I guess there was no hiding it. Not that I wanted to, not from her. She was going to love it. It's the coolest, most amazing high there is, I said, through a mouth gone stiff from smiling. Want to try? What is it, she asked with her nursey clinical manner, but I could tell she was excited about it. Crack baby liver, I said. <laughs> I was still too high to panic about it, and she must have figured it was code for something else. <laughs> she knew my drug euphemisms could get pretty weird and extreme sometimes, so she probably assumed crack baby liver was my new term for hash or heroin or something nice. So she just said, yeah, whatever the hell you're on, let's get out of here. I wish I could describe the look she gave me when we got to her apartment and I pulled out the specimen jar with the livers in it. Go make some pate so it doesn't taste so bad, I said, remembering the unpleasantness of the dry swallowed chunks. 
She gave me an evil look, but I just said, go on, do it. And she must have thought this was part of some warped game I was playing, and that I'd get out the real drugs in a second if she played along. I plopped on the couch and waved her into the kitchen. After a brief pause that harshed my remaining buzz just the tiniest bit, she shrugged and disappeared into the kitchen with the livers. I suffered through a steepening crash to the sound of blender noises and rapid sizzling, and then she came back out with a small plate of pate and some triscuits. <laughs> I could tell that she was dying. She was done being playful, but by that time I was beginning to plunge into a fast, malevolent descent, the exact opposite of that beautiful, easy climb. So as soon as she got close to the couch, I snatched the plate, smeared some pate on a cracker, and sucked it down, all in about a quarter of a second. She looked around for the real drugs while I snarfed down another cracker, and she must have figured I was going to torment her unless she went along, so she <laughs> ate a few crackers herself and gave me the evil eye. But I didn't care. I was high again, perfectly beautifully high, and I watched with unbridled joy as the evil eye melted away and she soared up to meet me. And then, just as she was about to level off and ride that warm, gentle thermal right along with me, just like I wanted, it must have hit her. She was feeling the high with only a few bites of pate in her. Holy shit. Did I really just eat crack baby pate? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you asshole. What the fuck have you done to me? All I could do was smile. Jesus, I thought you were kidding. Fuck, that's sick. But her voice had smoothed out and mellowed into that tone of a stoner. And whatever the words were, it all sounded like, wow, man, this is the niftiest shit. <laughs> and then whatever ugly thoughts of cannibalism she must have been forming slid away like the evil crud that keeps humanity down. She was smiling and her face shined with the exact feeling that I had throughout my entire body. She was about to say something else, but what were words compared to this feeling? So instead she licked my face and we slipped out of our clothes and onto the floor for the best screw of our lives. Thank you. <laughs>
get serious it's about time let's get serious for a minute okay and uh let's talk about perfection we all know it's achievable why do so many people fall short because they're disappointing bad parenting uh lack of trying am i getting close is there an answer this is a quiz the answer is it's not achievable really now I'm confused. But I just said it was. You're confusing. I think we should just go move a couch. Because I know, it's like we need to move the couch, right? We've been putting it off. There's a perfect place yeah. for it. No, I know how to do it. I don't want to derail your point about perfection, but we have a perfect place for the couch, but you know how to do it. I know how to do it. I know I exactly how to do it. I don't go. think so. It's okay. You go on the downside, I'll go on the high side. Right. If I, oh, if I just listen to you, exactly okay i get it that's that's perfection but is it which part i don't know now listening I'm to me now i'm confused yeah that is true write it down people i'm writing it down you right heard now. it here tonight here you can't hear me writing it down listening write it down. to me is perfection uh is everything perfect or is nothing perfect now you're getting deep i know i i feel like that's okay it's okay to get deep it's 10 o'clock it's exactly 10 o'clock it's the perfect time to get deep bring it on Let's just say that perfection is the combination of happenstance and intention. Write that down. I mean it. We're going to pause while everybody writes that down. Or maybe not write it down, like type it or thumb it. We'll give you a chance. We're going to give you a second to write that down. Think about it. Say it again, Shannon. Don't ever say thumb it again. 
Not in my presence anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. It didn't even sound right. I'm sorry. It's, it's dirty. Can we, we can erase that part. We can go back and erase it. Say it again for the oh, folks oh, who want to write it down. Who want to write it down. Yeah. Um, no, one wants, no one wants to write it down. Oh, well, then don't say it. Okay. Just listen, they just, if you want to hear it again, just listen to the podcast, people. That's, That's all good, you got to do. Good point. Okay. Two, three, four. Mama said I'm going to wear. Daddy don't seem to care. Everything I did was wrong. Tried hard to school me. Get the rules through me. But I was always somewhere far off No bright lights, big cities I'm in the old pine trees Call out to me, but I don't come Ready, ready, ready to run My life wasn't written down Had to get out and look around Learning every time I'd fall Some kids play in neighborhoods I was running in the woods Turning over every rock No bright lights, big cities I'm in the old pine trees Call out to me, but I don't come Ready, ready, ready to run Days passing by, stuck here in my nine to five. Real world finally caught on, and the woods next to our old house were eventually cut down. Now it's where rich guys play golf. When I see a grove of trees, start talking to me. Think I'll get out, take a walk. No bright lights, big cities I'm in the old pine trees Call out to me, but I'm gone Ready, ready, ready to run Ready, ready, ready to run If this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl. Auburn has won the Iron Bowl in the most unbelievable fashion you will ever see. I cannot believe it. 34-28. And we thought a miracle at Jordan-Hare was...
was amazing. Oh my Lord in heaven. Chris Davis just read it. 109 yards and Auburn is going to the championship game. Jesus, praise the Lord. She put me up to sleep. I don't know how long I was asleep, but I remember I awoke. When I awoke, I was seeing a vision. I remember I looked up out of my little bed and I saw a mass of people. They were perishing. They were crying out for help. They were crying, somebody do something. Now remember, I'm only four years old. And I remember I sat up in my little bed and I looked up and I said, Someone help all those people. Then a voice spoke back to me just as clear as those standing right alongside that bed. And that voice said, Marjo, you can help them. And I remember I looked down at myself and I thought, well, I'm just a little boy. I'm only four years old. What could I possibly do? What could I possibly say? And you know that voice spoke back to me and said, As I was with David, so will I be with you. As I was with Jeremiah, so will I be with you. Then God spoke the crucial word. He said, Will you preach the word? Right there at the age of four, I had a decision to make. And I said, Yes, Lord, I will. Hallelujah. And I dedicated my life to God. Praise the Lord. And you know, I fell back in my bed and I had just the greatest peace and tranquility and I even went right back to sleep. I never said a word to my mother and father. That night was a church night and I got up. The choir was up there to sing and they announced, you know, that I was going to sing my little song. 
But I said something different. I said, you know, folks, I'm a preacher too. Praise the Lord. And I began to preach. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Hallelujah. And there were people who came running to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of hearing the little words of a child. I remember one lady in Louisville, Kentucky. She came down in a long prayer line. I don't know how many I prayed for, maybe 100, 150. But says she came down, she had an open running cancer right on the side of her face. And I remember I reached out and I put my hand right on that cancer. My mother, she pulled my hand back. She didn't want me to touch that open sore. But I went on ahead and I prayed for her. She went on and I knew that God had done something. The very next night, that lady came back. She was sitting right in the front row. That night when she went home, that cancer had dissolved and run completely down her face. She was healed by the power of God. And the only thing that was left was a little irritation mark of little pink skin. But the skin was new like a baby. Hallelujah. Only because she believed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands and praise Him tonight. Glory, hallelujah. It is 10.10 p.m. here in Portland, Oregon. It's 54 degrees, clear. You can see the stars in the sky. It was a beautiful day in Portland today, but uh, the thing is, it just doesn't matter to anybody. People were out, they were in shorts, they were in flip-flops, but as soon as it rains for a couple hours, people are going to start saying, oh my God, the rain, it always rains, I can't stand the rain. You ever hear this, Shannon, or is it just me? People are shitty, I know. People are pretty shitty. People, like, they just have no concept. I mean, people in Portland get so caught up complaining about the weather that they end up forgetting to complain about capitalism. Hallelujah. How, how do they do that? I mean, there's, you know, there's so many ways that people in Portland could complain about capitalism, but, like, complaining about the weather, maybe that's it. Maybe the government controls the weather so people will be distracted by it. Now I'm getting it. Oh. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's uh, it's quite a conspiracy theory for a guy who is anti, viciously anti-conspiracy theory. I wouldn't say viciously. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, well, yeah, no. Now that I think about it, viciously is probably about right. Yeah. Conspiracy theories. I mean, I would love them to be true. It would be great. It would, it would be so great if it were true that the government controlled the weather in order to distract us from complaining about capitalism. The problem is that um, it's the people who wear the flip-flops on the sunny day that are the ones who are going to complain on the rainy day. You can see it. Because oh, for sure. I'm not going to wear flip-flops today. I mean, March 22nd. two days ago, I scraped my windshield at 8 a.m. Exactly. It's not appropriate 48 hours later to wear flip-flops. I don't care how sunny it is. It's not appropriate. And so if you're, gonna, if you're going to wear flip-flops because the sun is out, then you're probably that same person who's going to complain when it rains again. You're going to forget all the sun we've had. Exactly. It's those people. So that reminds me. Those of people need to live in California. They do. Actually, I think most of those people do live in California. California, IA. If there's anybody out there who lives in California, send us a text. WhiteTigerRadio.com. Uh, Do we have any listeners in California? I don't know. We don't check know. our listeners. We don't track anything. There's a, uh, you know, there's we don't we don't like to know. But you know, I I just think that the, the all those flip flop people, all those California people, if people didn't have the weather to complain about, not only would they notice like capitalism, 
but even worse, they would have time to notice what a bunch of dumb shits everybody is. So for me, I like, I like to complain about the weather because it really distracts me from thinking about the fact that I'm surrounded by a bunch of dumb shits. In fact, that I'm one of the dumb shits myself. I don't want to know that. I don't want to think about that. I think you have a bad attitude. <laughs> I think that people are amazing. Okay. <laughs> now, I think that we're going we're gonna to break those statistics on couches and divorces because if you think people are amazing, then... Uh, I mean, unless I'm driving around... Or living. People are amazing unless I'm driving around. If I'm driving, they're mostly not so amazing. And they will... I, I find that people are not amazing in a lot of places. Oh, come on. Now. Besides the road. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to get too cynical. No. What? Let's... let's, let's um, you got any, you got any, any words? It's uh, now it's 1013. Oh, man. Okay. And it's now... Oh, it's... Sorry for the weather report. It's 53 degrees out, not 54. And it's, it's clear... You can still see the stars, and uh, the weather's dry. It's dropped a degree. I think did we do that? Ooh, yeah. maybe the government did it. They said we're gonna we're gonna cool those people off, take a degree off. Bert in the weather bureau controlling the weather. Right, we just got dinged. We got dinged. Basically, Bert. just <laughs> like they're mean, and we're gonna ding them by one degree. So I read the other day. This is this just reminds me. I didn't even I, I didn't even wasn't going to talk about this, but I read that a third of the NSA supercomputer is actually filled with uh, recordings of people saying, "And she was all like, like they just they have a whole database of that, and then now it's been measured that it's about a third of all of the NSA's recordings." And he was like, and she was like, "Is that a real thing or is that a joke?" It's a real thing. Really? Why would I make that up? I don't know. That uh. Why would I make that up? I mean, just to make something up to say? Is the overuse of the word like um, an epidemic or a pandemic? I think that it's probably a, uh, yeah. Which is it? What's the difference? I can't uh, remember right now. I know there's a difference. You don't know either. A, oh, no, oh, no. Don't look at me like that. Of course, I know the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic. Then pan- which is it? A pandemic is just really, really bad epidemic. It's, it crosses things. It's, it's like if you put an epidemic into a giant pan... And heated it up and spread know. it around. No, a pandemic is just worse. All right. Okay, we're going we're gonna to have to go to the phones again. Anybody who knows the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic or can define perfection for us or has a good band name that is better than Sex Pistols or wants to hear a specific song in the post-show or has a good tip for a couple who wants to move a couch. Operators are standing by. Hallelujah. It's a song I learned when I was stranded in a mountain cabin up in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I had to play down in a place called Bethlehem where they used to make steel Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And uh, my host for the time was I uh, lived in a, a log cabin up in the mountains and it started snowing. And uh, we just got home in time to uh, put some log on the fire, get a nice warm fire going. You had a whole, whole uh, porch covered with a big stack of firewood and had a freezer full of venison and a big bottle of Cuddy Sark whiskey and Bob doing the record. So I put a little music on, you know, and Got the fire going, put a log on the fire, poured a little uh, shot of that 
scotch out of that bottle. You can carefully measure the level according to the sales on the mast there. The first shot was well above the royal yard. And uh, of course, later it got down later in the week, it got down pretty close to the deck. But by that time, I just about learned the song. It took me three days, and we couldn't get the door open. Three days of heavy snow and cold. By the time the third day was over, I pretty much learned the song, and it was uh, a record for me. It usually takes me about three months to learn a song, a new song. And the snow, it warmed up, and the snow melted a little bit. We got, a, got the door open, we got in my motorhome, which was a Bell Telephone repair truck, 1957. <laughs> and we drove up to U North Titty. They were having a little open mic at the gas light. Uh, Mrs. John Hurt's night off, Monday night. He wasn't there. He was probably sleeping up at the motel or maybe going to a movie or something. But the usual crowd was assembled. John Wynn was there. Peter Lafarge, my buddy. Uh, Peter and Paul. Mary was out shopping. I think. <laughs> and, uh, Bob Dylan, the guy who wrote the song. And uh, about two unidentified tourists from New Jersey. The place was full. It was a, a small room there only held about 40 people. I thought, well, I'll get up and sing my new song that I just learned. Up there in the hills of Pennsylvania, you know, in that blizzard. That was cool. It wasn't cool, it was cold. Now it's warm. And I started playing that Don't Think Twice song. And Bob, he, I recognized him standing there right in the aisle. A little bit of light came through a hole in the curtain in the back, shined off of his halo, and I recognized him. <laughs> he went up his arm and he says, Who is it to you, Jack? <laughs> so what you say? your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm a-traveling on 
But don't think twice, it's all right And it ain't no use in the calling out my name, gal Like you never done before No, it ain't no use in the calling out my name, gal I can't hear you anymore Thinking and wondering Walking down the road How I once loved a woman A child I am too I gave her my heart But she wanted my soul But don't think twice It's all right Using a turning out your light, babe. Polite, I never know. No, it ain't no using a turning on your light, babe. I'm on the dark side of the road. Still, I wish there was something you would do or say to try and make me change my mind and stay. We never did too much talking anyway But don't think twice, it's all right So long, honey, babe Where I'm bound, I can't tell Goodbye's too good a word, babe So I'll just say fairly well I'm not saying you treated me unkind You could have done better, but I don't mind You just kind of wasted my precious time But don't think twice, it's all right Tonight's show, you heard the Born Losers doing Little Room for Cover This, November 2013. Shannon Emerson at Oddstock, January 1999. Brandon, Sandra, and Shannon performing Gin and Juice live at the big show on March 28, 2009. Phil Tiso, Sensory Deprivation Tank Joke, big show, April 16, 2011. Johnny East, Carla Rossi, also at the big show in 2011. Shannon Emerson, Crosswalk Driver, Big Show, May 19, 2012. Holly Dye, Hillbilly Love Song, performed live at Jack and Shannon's wedding, June 2002. Anthony Lopez, Lick a Gift Horse, from Comedy Night, February 2013. Marco Davis, Song of My Life, received by email in January 2014. Colin Lingle, Reading at Oddstock, January 1999. An excerpt from the Phillips and Flathead Radio Hour, The Guilty Pleasures Show, November 2013. Jack Miller, reading Crack Baby Pate at the No Talent Talent Show, July 2009. Man Band, featuring Dan Blaker and Chuck Massey, doing Heartbreak Hotel, Don't Be Cruel, recorded live in the White Tiger Lounge on February 1st, 2014. Wes Yusey, Ready to Run, recorded for the Big Show blog, Cover This Challenge, 
May 2013. Rod Bramblett announcing the final play of the Iron Bowl, November 2013. Marjo Gortner, Lay My Burden Down and Preaching, from Marjo, the Documentary, released in 1972. And we finished with Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Introduction to Don't Think Twice, It's Alright, recorded at the Alberta Rose Theater, October 2013, followed by Don't Think Twice, It's Alright, downloaded from Napster in August 2000. You're listening to Sandra LaDuke on the piano, recorded in Everett, Washington on December 31st, 2009. And of course, you've been listening to White Tiger Radio. This has been the Frankenstein's Foot Locker Show. Thanks for tuning in. Tell them, nobody